Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. And how are you? Shit. No, I literally was like, I had one thing saved to tell you mm-hmm. about my life. Do you no want to do a little, a little switcheroo and I'll tell you about my life first? I mean, honestly, the problem is that I don't think there's anything left in my life to tell you. Um, I did uh, go to uh, um, a concert yesterday. Okay. You sure didn't Um, tell me that. I didn't. Um, It was um, the Buffalo Philharmonic Chorus's presentation of Handel's Messiah. Oh, Um, I thought it was beautiful. It was. It was beautiful. Like, I said, I mean, sometimes I just, like, think about the fact that my boyfriend is a professional singer, and it makes me really happy. So nice. So Which nice. reminds me of the time that um, my sister, Brianna, texted me to tell me that she's going to help me write a spoken word album so that I can get a Grammy so that we don't have a one Grammy household. <laughs> because Dan does have a Grammy. Oh, you're saying so you and Dan. I was like, who in your family has a Grammy? No, Dan has a Grammy. So right. Dan, Dan and I can't be a one Grammy household. You meant yours and Dan's household, not your and her household. Oh, correct. Yes, no. Yes, that's where I was. I had mixed up households. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, so um, we went to that. And then Dan and my parents and I went out to dinner and we just happened to be like kind of around the corner from a restaurant that I hadn't been to in like 15 years that um, is owned by um, the family of one of my friends from high school. And we went and her mom happened to be like the waitress, like, or not waitress, but like, like running the restaurant that night. And I was like, this is Alina, I haven't seen you in 15 years. And she was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, it's like, you're making me feel so old right now. That's really cute. And um, they had delicious raspberry sorbet. Oh, love a good raspberry sorbet. Mm-hmm. Love. So, yeah. I mean, that's really the only thing left in my life. Feel that. Nothing left in life. Um, well, if you're watching this, you've seen my hair sl- slowly decline throughout the recording. <laughs> so, that's how we're doing. Um, it is after 11. We are recording our last episode of the night. We're fine. But I did go see another show yesterday on my Broadway week that I'm having. Um, I went and saw the Ohio State Murders of something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the year. But, um, and it is performed kind of as like a one-woman monologue of Audra McDonald. <gasps> Incredible. It was front row and center. Solid center. Like 107 center. I was, oh, incredible. Oh, like 47 bucks. So that was beautiful. It was just, it was so intense. Like, it was so sad. But um, I I believe it. She did an incredible job. She literally was on the stage the entire time. And it was like every now and then someone else was on the stage for like a minute and a half. Otherwise, it was just her. So good. It was like such a minimalistic set, which I I love minimalistic sets. Not that I I love a big display. Don't get me wrong. But there's something like intimate about like a minimalistic set. Yeah. And so absolutely adored it. Um, And and sometimes like, like sometimes that matters. Like, I mean, there's a thing like there's things like you. It's really hard to do some of the like fairy tale ask shows like your Shreks and your Disney shows right. like those spectacle is so much a part of the storytelling for those shows but, nothing to say. right but then you think about like how powerful like some a straight plays a lot a lot of times don't need a big set but even musicals like sometimes you've got things like like the last five years you could literally just do with two chairs I haven't seen that one yet ugh Ugh, it's my favorite musical. But like, like, but like, it would literally, it would be fine. 
Like, you wouldn't even need chairs. You could literally just have people sitting on the fucking floor and tell that story, and it wouldn't matter if you did it right. They, I mean, they did a pretty good job with it, with, like, uh, Come From Away. It was mostly, like, people movement and not so much set. Yeah, I haven't seen it on stage yet. I've seen it on YouTube, but not on stage. Oh, God, I cried. I cried for 30 minutes during the show. Oh, I'm sure. So good, I'm sure I will cry. I'm sure um, I will cry. Yes, um, I mean it's not on stage right now, but it's a yes, it is. It's, it's on a tour. tour. It's tour. Yeah, it's tour. It's right. I'm literally seeing it in two weeks. Oh, good, excellent. You're gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea it was touring. Um, actually, actually, this episode that we're recording right now premieres on December eleventh. No, I don't. Eleven, yes, it, nope. It was a, it's on Thursday, so not the eleventh. It's the ninth. So just. <laughs> Just kidding. I haven't seen it yet because I see it on the 14th, so next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. Speaking of other things I've seen that I hope everyone else is watching, this will be old news by the time this show comes out. I don't care. Um, Wednesday? Oh, I Matthew. literally, my dad asked me last night, he was like, is Wednesday good? I go, I don't know, I haven't talked to Courtney yet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I binged it this weekend. Um, Did you? I really liked it. Um, my friend Kat didn't care for it, but I think mm. she likes things a little more intensity. Okay. One of my one of my seventh graders today asked me if I'd seen it because he knows I love Wednesday Adams and he really, really liked it. Yeah, it's definitely like appropriate for all ages. Okay. Which is nice. Um, so I think that's what like some people shied away from. But I mean Adam's family's always been for all ages, even like Right. But I mean, Tim, Tim Burton directed two episodes. Yeah. So it's not like, che- I mean, I'm sure it's cheesy, but not like. But it's more in the sense that like, it felt like it could have been made in the same vein of like, like for the same age group as like Riverdale and Sabrina and all those. Mm-hmm. I liked it better. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I I loved it. I thought it was really good and really cute. Fantastic. Everyone should watch it. It's for all ages. Yeah. And it's not scary. So, all ages. I'm, I'm actually at a weird TV lull right now um, because I just, I finished um, the season finale of Dancing with the Stars happened. The season finale of uh, Bachelor happened. The season finale of Ink Master happened. Um, the season finale of Masked Singer is this weekend and Grey's is on winter hiatus. So mm-hmm. literally and I think the and I think the amazing race only has like two more episodes in the season. Well, so I'm like to binge. it's only eight episodes. Well, you know, I'm down to sixteen thousand videos on my YouTube channel that I need to catch up on. I'm making a dent and I'm sorry. I'm a I'm starting to make quite a dent in my podcast, so I'm about to start looking for new ones. To nice. Um, but uh, I am also making a dent in X-Files. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know this is not our sci-fi Sunday, but I am halfway through season two, I think, of X-Files now. Very it's nice. So good. It's just such a good show. Good. If you haven't seen it and you like things like that, if you like TV, you should watch it. It's great. Sure. You know what else is great? What is that? Our spirituality. Do you like my pose for the week? For I do. I love your spirituality pose, and I love this affirmation. Excellent. I am my own best friend because other people are total dicks. Facts. Facts. Yes. 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 Other people are total dicks. They are, my God. It's a mess out there. It's a mess. I just think of Sebastian being like, telling Ariel, don't go out there. The world, the people. There's a guy named Sebastian who comes to the bar, and I thought you were talking about him for a second. And I was like, you don't know him. No, I do not. <laughs> you wouldn't know that. I'm not. He's great, though. He works another part on the way. Um, the human world is a total mess. That's what I was thinking of. You know what else is a mess? <laughs> Understatement of the century. What I'm here for. 
And this episode might be weird because I am tired and it's late. Yes. But it's fine. We're going to power through and we're going to make this the greatest episode we've ever done. Hopefully a short one, too. No offense to you guys. We're going to just... We got to go to sleep. Yeah, I have two um, 16-hour days the next two days. So... That doesn't leave a lot of hours for sleeping. No, I have uh, multiple shifts and a funeral in the next few days. So, like, Um, Friday is my next time to figure out a break time. Oh, and I also have a funeral today, too. So, like, two funerals funerals in a week. It's it's not a week. It's It's like four weddings and a funeral. But only four funerals and no weddings. Right. (laughs) That's a bummer. That is a bummer. It's fine. Um, not a bummer, mostly. It's Bates Motel. Sure, yeah. Episode six. My transitions are stellar today. Um, it is called The Vault. For a reason that I don't remember, but I probably it'll probably come to me. Um, it may not the vault. Yeah, we'll see. We'll get there. I'm sure there's a reason. Um, it aired April 18th of 2016. That was- is my mom's birthday. Oh, I thought you were about to say it's my birthday. I was like, it's not your birthday. It's not my birthday. It's my mama's birthday. Oh, happy birthday six years ago. Yeah. Um, it was rated 8.5 out of 10. The number one song is, shockingly, Still Work by Rihanna. How? How is she still no on words. work? There's no words in that song except work. I'm sure there are. Well, okay, there are words. They're just not in English. But, like, the song's not that good. It's not that good. Um, The number one movie is still The Jungle Book. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Surely it's the end of that run. Um. The number one book is As Time Goes By by Mary Higgins Clark. I have not read it. I have obviously heard of Mary Higgins Clark, even though I've never read her stuff. But I hear she's great. Right. Um, I think I bought one of her. Is she the one who wrote a thriller series in Um, under a pseudonym? Um, maybe. Hmm. No. No, wait, are you talking about, like, the J.D. Robb books? Because that's yes. Nora, No, that's Nora Roberts. Oh, Nora Roberts. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, um, no, Ma- Mary Higgins Clark, uh, her thriller books are just under her own name. Got it. Got it. She um, she writes mostly suspense novels. Yes. Yes, correct. I don't know if I've ever read any of her stuff, actually. I haven't. I probably should. I'd probably like it. Um, on this day, things happened. Some very random things happened. It was the 120th Boston Marathon. Fantastic. Um, it is Zimbabwe Independence Day. And it was the day Lynn Manuel Miranda won the Pulitzer Prize for Hamilton. Great. Fun facts abounding. Her director is Olatund Osinsanmi. That is almost perfect, I'm sure. Um, he's known for a lot of sci-fi stuff. So he's known for The Cavern, which I've never heard of. No. Nope. Aces, I've never heard of. But he's also known for Star Trek Short Treks and Star Trek Discovery. Okay. And The Fourth Kind. Have you seen that movie? No. That might be a good... A good movie to do on the podcast. It's wild. It's about well, yes, but we don't have we don't have a budget for sci-fi at the moment. Well, it's kind of scary too. Maybe I'll do it as a horror slash sci-fi. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but it's about aliens. But it's kind of scary. Um, and also he directed Timeless, which I don't know if anyone else on the planet watched that show, but I loved it. I went back in time and made sure that 
that things didn't change so the world that like didn't go off balance i loved it there was like one season maybe two does not ring any bells oh big fan of this guy very different these are all very different things he's like worked on which is Dis- fun they're all Dis- kind of dark Disco- now. I was going to say, Discovery is the only one I've seen. Yeah, I have not seen that one. But The Fourth Kind, Timeless are both, like, dark enough. They're not, like, horror, but they're dark. Um, Our only guest star that we haven't spoken about is Luke Rossler, who plays young Norman. And surprisingly, he's apparently very well known, not by our age group. But he is known for It Chapter 2, Dead to Me, Deadpool 2, and Riverdale. So all things I've seen, not my focus of any of those shows. Well, I haven't seen It Chapter 2. Who was he in It Chapter 2? I have no idea. I haven't seen that. Oh, I have. How? Was it not terrifying? Oh, it was was awful. It was terrifying. I watched it in the middle of the night with my cousin in Florida because he was watching it. And he was like, you're a bitch. He didn't actually say that because he was like 12. Um, but he made me watch it and I literally was like, well, now I'm going to pee with the door open for the entire rest of the time I'm in your house. And he was like, ew, don't do that. And I was like, don't make me watch scary movies in the middle of the night. Yeah. No. But also like it was post starting the podcast. So Bill Skarsgård, like. Right, right. I, I didn't, I was like, I'll just pretend that you're Roman Godfrey in weird makeup. And that's how I'll function watching this movie. Excellent. I'm going to watch it one day, but I'm not brave enough yet. I haven't watched it either. So I haven't, I, I didn't watch the first one. Yeah. So like that, that's helpful, right? To like watch the second one and not the first one. Right, right. That's what I hear. That's how yeah. I hear in life. Start at the yeah, end. for sure, for sure. Um... Speaking of, we do start at the end of the last episode. And for a quick recap, we left off with Chick's threat to Norma to tell Alex about Caleb. Did you? I think you said that was Jack Dylan Grazer. Is that his name? No. Who is the child that you just said? Um, Luke Rossler. Okay, that's not even remotely the same name. That's not even close to what was said. That's okay, though. It's okay, I found him. Okay, excellent, excellent. I've seen him on Dead to Me. But, which is not the same as Dead Like Me. It is not, no. Mm-hmm. Very but different. whenever people talk about Dead to Me, I'm like, oh, just kidding. Yep, yep. Me too, me too. And I saw Dead to Me first, and <laughs> I still do that. Oh, you know what I've seen him in before? What? That was in none of these things that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, he played Prince Charming as a little baby boy in um, Once Upon a Time, too. Like the show Once Upon a Time? Yeah, the show Once Upon a Time. He was Baby David and Baby James. Oh, I, I heard you, and when you said Once Upon a Time 2, as an also, I was thinking, like, the number two, and I was like, that's not a thing. Oh, yeah, no. Um, you mean also. And, and also, just to tie things back up in a big fancy bow, he was in um, an episode of Man on the High Castle, which, of course... Joel, Joel, Joel. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? So we start with Bill Skarsgård and with Joel Delafonte. Perfect. Did it. Always, always anything (laughs) if you give us enough time. It's very true. You give us enough time and enough uh, Um, websites, and we will figure out how everything just comes back to us. For five seconds, then, and you're frozen. It's okay. It's great. You'll come back to me. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, you're back. So, hello, my friend. Hi. How are you? Best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're on the last episode. Yeah. Right. 
I'm going to start over. Yeah. So we start with Norma calling a phone that has now been disconnected. Um, My guess is meant to be Caleb. Yes, it was Caleb. It said something on her screen. It like showed the screen of her phone and I didn't like I And so it was Caleb that she was calling, but I literally was like, the one time you don't immediately call Dylan is the time you should have immediately called Dylan. Absolutely. Absolutely. The one time. Right. Ugh, Norma. And then we flash over to Alex, who's checking his key, because he still has the key from when he killed Bob Paris. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, hasn't she learned by now? That she should tell Alex things. Right. But here's the thing. So they have a scene. Alex is looking at her key. She's calling Caleb. Then they both come in and they like kiss each other good morning. And like they talk about how they're both just having a weird day. And like they go, this whole house is built on lies. A whole ass house with a foundation of lies. You're both lying to each other's faces right now. And I thought we were getting so much better. I was like, we're married. We've admitted we love each other to like, we like each other. Like they have. Yeah, they definitely have not said love yet. Okay, well, they like each other at this point. Yeah. They're happy to be together. Yeah. So they kind of accepted their fate, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, we're moving in the right direction. And then this episode is just like, nope. Opposite ends again. Just, but, but. Then she immediately won me back over again because he starts to leave. And this is because I'm the sappiest fuck in the whole wide world. But she starts to leave. And he and she, Norma says, she's like, I I just, I'm here we are and I'm kissing you goodbye and you're going to work and it's just like in the movies, but it's not a movie. And literally I have goosebumps all over my body just repeating it because my note, I just said, why is that exactly the way I feel about Dan? Like literally I was like crying because I was like, that's how much I love this man. She says, that's everything we've made it. Yeah, plus I she was saying it about Alex, who I also feel that way about. I know, and I was like, and now she's ruined everything. You know, as soon as she gets really into something, she thinks everything's fine, it's all gonna be terrible. So But yeah, in case anyone wants to know how I feel about my boyfriend, it's that. In case you were not aware. <laughs> That's precious though. That's precious. Um and we have the credits. And we have this ominous of everyone's lying to everyone, but the happiness of everyone's happy together. And here we go. <laughs> That's our intro, which is kind of good. I love the uh, contrast. Yeah. Forward. And then to just keep us on our on the edge of our seats, we go to Norman having a panic attack, essentially. He is asleep i think (laughs) no he's under hypnosis oh yeah he was under hypnosis and dr edwards was like walking him through a childhood memory and he's like you're looking at this like you can walk out of it at any time and he's like trying to get him to think about his father Mm, i thought that was later but i guess not well there's two different flashbacks oh this is the first one and i i think i must have been taking notes when it came on and so yeah so very beginning of this scene so yeah so he's in a he's like laying on the couch in dr edward's office and dr edward is talking him through so we see him like in bed and then he goes to get water and his dad is drunk in the kitchen and then he like thinks that his dad's gonna wake up and hit him but he doesn't he wakes up and Hmm. hugs him no this is before that that's how that happened Mm-mm. We have a short scene with Norman before he's with before that happens. Oh, um, we so he we go in and he's like underneath the bed as like an adult person having a panic attack, oh. and that's how we first see Norman this episode. And mm. and then he like wakes up, and I was like, "Were you dreaming, or did you have a panic attack last night?" Like I couldn't figure out what happened there. But I think he was dreaming now that we've seen the end of the episode. Um, and he's talking to, and then he's talking to Dr. Edwards, who's finally diagnosed him with DID. He's like explaining to him how the two personalities work. And he's like, sometimes you're you, and then sometimes you're Norma. And 
he so this is how he learned that he becomes his mom when he dissociates okay no you're absolutely correct sorry because my notes were just about how i felt about dr edwards in the scene um so that is why i didn't remember which scene it was um oh yeah no no but because he he explains that when somebody has did what you're doing is you're like protecting yourself from something and norman is like why would my mom like why would i want my mom want to protect me from you and he's like well that's what we're trying to figure out like that's why you're in therapy yes and he's like and then of course norman being inquisitive he's like so what is she like then and he's like she's charming which is accurate yeah sounds sounds pretty yeah norman was by charming them other than you know bradley who she just flat out cold blood murdered um and then and then that's all with with norman for a minute we uh we get a quick break from his disorder and we go to norma and chick and he's telling her they're at the diner and he's telling her about his cane that he's worked on Mm -hmm. and it is the creepiest cane i've ever seen in my life it has like a baby head on the top like a blind side it is Wow. I'm, obsessed. I'm obsessed with that. I hate it so much. So much. Um, I think Norma also does. But um then he starts just attacking her. Like yes. this he, is what I this is what I was confusing last week for this conversation. No, it started last week, it got way intense this week. Yeah. He like is telling her like your brother raped you your brother is terrible like he took advantage of you and he's like just going after her and i'm like yeah. you're in a public place calm down yeah Second of all, it's none of your business what has happened mm-hmm. like she needs to deal with this in therapy not with someone who's blackmailing her essentially mm-hmm. kill her brother like and and then he just keeps saying that she needs to tell him where Caleb is and she's like I don't know where he is and he's like really and he's like asking like she's lying and I go actually like but for real she doesn't I don't think she knows where she is at all no she has no idea and like he's telling but then he starts telling her he's like you have to deal with this you need to talk it through and I'm like you're not wrong but not with you and I hate you Mm -hmm. like and it's this is my weird thing with chick is like he says bad things but then he also says everything that's like right but it shouldn't come from him Mm -hmm. and so it's very conflicting so i'm like you know what the right thing is to do and you go out of your way not to do it i think he's very absolutely like the pure definition of like chaotic neutral like he is he is the he he isn't a bad person, but he's right. like good. He but he isn't a good person either. He's absolutely a neutral, but he's he doesn't do it in a way of like judgment or like he is a hundred percent chaotic neutral. Yeah, because like he doesn't fall on one side or the other, but he also does really bad things sometimes, but also does really good things sometimes. Yeah, like you never know what's gonna happen with him, and he just oh, I can't with him. I can't with yeah. him. And, um, ugh, I just, I hate him right now. So we go back to Norman, thankfully, because I can't deal with Chick anymore. And, thankfully, uh, you thankfully went back to Norman. Look, that's where I'm at today. But to be fair, it's because in the scene, he's with Dylan. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So it's very sweet. Dylan came to visit him and they're playing cricket or croquet or whatever they're playing okay, they're playing croquet and i was like dylan playing croquet is something i never knew i needed but i needed it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was very sweet mm-hmm. um they're just chit-chatting he's like i'm glad you're doing so well and then of course norman asked about emma um dylan like stumbles over his words he's like the two of you are together and he's like no i i get it i i, I like it and i was like i get it too right and he's just like so chill about it they're both so good with each other and i was like this is so wholesome like that i wish there was a possibility of a happy ending right like i wish that this was real life for them yeah and um then he asked him about sam and norman is just too chill about everything dylan's like he wasn't a great guy he was abusive he was mean like but 
like whatever. And Norm is just like, okay. I was like, well, and then Norman is like, I just, I don't think it would be good for mother or no, was it? No, 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 no. I lied. I'm thinking of what Dylan says to Norma about Norman, not the other way around. Which is where we go next. And Dylan and Norma are kind of having a a check-in with each other, which is becoming a new thing for them, it seems. Um, And we we are uh, reminded that Norman still doesn't know about Alex. And when when Dylan, no, Dylan asks her why she doesn't want him to know about Alex, and he says that she says that right now he's just too fragile. And then Dylan says something that I like. I just got so excited about. It's so true, so true. He says, "Don't treat people like they're fragile, or they'll stay fragile." I loved that quote. I was like, "That is so, like." Dylan is the only smart person on the series. And that's, like, and that's why Dylan was the best thing for Emma. Cause Dylan was the only person, like he took care of her. He didn't he, like, didn't, um, he didn't patronize her. He didn't, he didn't overwork her. He didn't, he let her body do what it needed to do. He was careful with her, but he didn't ever like patronize or demean or overprotect her. He like, he was like, I know that you know what you're capable of. I will do what I can do to help you. When you need to take a break, you take a break. But I'm not going to talk down to you because you need help. Like he was like, I'm not going to treat you like you'll break. Right. And that's, I mean, and that's and that's why the puncher in the chest because she couldn't breathe. He did. <laughs> like, I mean, he was weird about it. I'll, but also, like, hard. that's who who wouldn't be weird about punching someone in the chest when they no don't matter know what how, doing. Like, how right. They are not. Yeah. Yeah. But he's always he's always listened to what she needs and like yeah, oh, bless him. So uh, they're talking. He says Norman's doing much better, and it's a good place for him to be in. And then he tells her that he's moving to Seattle with um, Emma and Will. And Norma starts acting out, and I was like, Norma, you left your child for like eighteen years, maybe not quite eighteen, but for a lot of years. You didn't even take care of him. You never yeah. cared about him until like a year ago. And now right. he's going to better himself and go off with people that he cares about. Like, wh- why? Why are you acting out now? But, because okay. he's a help to you now? Because you need him now? Yes. Which is Anyways, fair. So I was very also, fussy at her. I get being and, uh, fussy at her, but I, I get being fussy at her. I do. You what? I said, I get being fussy at her, like I do, but also he, she asks when he's moving and he's like, she's like, like in a month and he's like, oh, in a few days. No, 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 that's a lot. That, that is a lot to process. She's finally like built a relationship where she's comfortable having him around and like trusts him and like wants to have a bond with him. And he's like, by the way, I'm giving you three days warning that I'm piecing the fuck out. I would act out a little bit too. Also, he's moving, like, two hours away. Like, he's not moving across the world. Like, they've been driving back and forth to Seattle a lot. With no, no, they've not. They've been driving to Portland. Oh. Seattle's a little farther than Portland. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I was thinking that they were driving to Seattle. Never mind. No, when I said, like, the other week when I got mad that Seattle wasn't that far away, I meant it was, like, and a six or eight hour drive, not like a six or eight day drive. Like, right, right. It's not around the corner. It is kind of a, a big deal. It is a little bit of a hike, yeah. Yeah. Not that I remember what city is what now. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so then she starts sneakily trying to ask him about Caleb. And Dylan, the smartest human on the planet, is just like, let it go, Norma. He's gone. He's left. It was his choice. We need to just let him go and go on about our lives. And in all caps, I just put, take Dylan's advice, Norma. I literally wrote, Dylan is not entirely wrong, man. Like, you can care and still not put yourself in that position. Absolutely. So, uh, she immediately calls Caleb when he leaves, naturally. Because she doesn't even have a brief moment to believe she's going to listen to him. 
And but also, I literally was like, damn it, Norma, you can't tell Chip where Caleb is. Like, I know that Caleb's, like, I know that we're not Team Caleb 100%, and that I've always been no, on Team Caleb, but, like, I was like, don't, don't, don't. As someone who's, like, anti-Caleb 99.5% of the time, I also don't think she should tell Chip where Caleb is. Okay. So, across the board, agreed. But she calls Caleb, and he's asking all the right questions that you would expect a caring father to. Yeah. But it's like, if you do this once a year, it doesn't count. Like, no, I know. But also, like, he says, like, I didn't, I left because I was afraid that the backlash would fall on you guys, which it did. So, like. Right. But also, like, who was it? Was it Chick that said it? Like, how did he know I wasn't going to go after Dylan because he left? Like, fair question. Because he already said both be killed. But I think that Caleb did what he thought was best. And in a way, because he left, like if he had been there and stayed there, Chick might have gone after Dylan to hurt him. But because he left, Chick just wants to know where he is. Yeah, like, I mean, because if he, he left, so what would be the point of hurting Dylan? It wouldn't hurt Caleb because Caleb wouldn't know. So, like, as stupid as it was and as much as it, it's sad as it was, it was absolutely the correct decision. I mean, it's the only... Because it, it, did, it, did, it did exactly what Caleb knew it would do, was make the fallback really on Caleb and not on anyone else. Yeah, and it was good for him to get away from Norma. It was good for him to get away from Dylan as much as maybe they both don't agree with that. But he was putting Dylan in some very sketchy situations. Correct. Um, so she's chatting with him and she's like asking, she knows where he's at now. She tells him to call Dylan and then he tells her he loves her. And she like has a panic attack almost. She just like, mm-hmm. which like totally fair, but she also shouldn't have called him. Yeah. And also like, I think the problem is that she does love him in a way but that line has gotten so blurred for so long that she doesn't even know how to tell him she loves him in like a regular way a fraternal way right because she doesn't know what that means anymore yeah i agree and uh so then we go back to norman this is where he has his first childhood flashback Mm-hmm. And like you were explaining, he gets up in the middle of the night to get some water, and he's saying he knew his dad would be awake, but his dad was passed out on the kitchen table in a plate of food, surrounded by beer cans, and he wakes up to Norman looking at him, and he just hugs him and says he's sorry. He says, I'm sorry, and I know, you know, I love you, and he was like, yeah, I do, daddy. Um, but, like, so it's um really upsetting for everyone involved and when norman like comes out of hypnosis he's crying yep and this is where dr edwards is like you can come out at any time like it's your memory you can leave it you're just watching yeah yeah um and then we have a couple of brief scenes um alex gives the key to rebecca and I said, Alex, you're a fucking idiot. And he tells her he doesn't want any money, which honestly was probably the smarter way to handle it. Oh, yeah, no. He was like, take the key, get, get yourself safe. I I don't want anything to happen to you, but I don't want to be a fucking part of this anymore. Like, I also don't want to be a part of it, right? Yeah. And, um, that seems like it might be the end of Rebecca for now. She's been sent away. And uh, we go to Dylan. Okay. Fingers crossed on that one, maybe. Yeah. We go back to Dylan, who is in his natural state, driving again. Do you yeah. remember in the beginning when he was driving in every episode we saw? Oh, him? absolutely. Like, Dylan lived in his car, in his truck. That's like, all Dylan. I thought of. And um, Caleb calls him, like Norma told him to. And Dylan just, like, doesn't know what to do. Like, he doesn't know how to handle it. Because it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And Caleb's telling him he wants to move back. <laughs> And I'm like, but he was like, I'll move back when it's safe. And I was like, you don't understand how much it'll never be safe for you there. There will always be something. And you can't hold Dylan back from going with him. Like, yeah. 
Because you know if Caleb comes back, Dylan's going to end up staying. Because all he wants is to have a family. That's all he wants. Yeah, that's so upsetting. And then we get what's probably uh, the most intense. Nope, not the most intense, but one of the more intense episodes. I mean, scenes in this episode. Norma meets Chick in the middle of the road. And my first thought was, she's going to shoot him. And then she steps out of the car with a gun. I was like, well, I watched, I, I, my note says, please don't kill Chick. And the worst part is that when you were like, not the most intense, I was like, I definitely think it's the most intense. And then I remembered what is the most intense. And I was like, oh, just, just kidding. JK, JK. So I said, come on, Norma, don't do it. But also like, if she did just kill Chick, I'd be like, convenient for going forward but i'm i'm bringing myself closer to the microphone for this one just because i wrote please don't kill chick but then i also wrote how are they not getting wet they never do never but i know but this one was so much worse they're in on a fucking bridge in the middle of the night in the pouring rain windshield wipers going on their cars and they're both standing there perfectly dry and usually i can forgive the lack of wet but in this moment where the rain dripping on your face would have made the scene better and you're still not wet i was pissed absolutely it would have been the way to do it yeah visually Um, should have been actually in the rain right um but instead norma has set herself up for failure she is now proven that she can't kill chick because she can't handle it and she also has proven that she's not going to give him caleb's address see but i don't think that was setting herself up for failure like in a way i it was but i was like i was so proud of her at the same time because for once in normal louise's life she didn't pick the selfish way out she did she didn't just shoot Chick because no one wouldn't have known the difference. She didn't just sell Caleb out to save herself and Dylan. She just was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Fine, you win. And she's never given up before. She's never done that before. And I absolutely do not blame her. But I mean, and actually, we we learned that that's not true. She has given up and like let other people win for a long time, which yeah. is, like adds to things. But like... She, it was more selfless than we've seen her be in a long time. Yes. And like, and it was about someone other than Norman. Yes. And I wish that she had kept like some cards to herself. Maybe like, tell him you don't know where Caleb is still. I don't know. But like, I thought that's what she was going to do. I thought she was just going to be like, I don't know where he is. And then just use the gun just in case Chick like was like, okay, well, then I'm killing you instead. That's what I thought. But then I kind of like that she was like, no, no. I mean, it's good for her, but like, just going to make things harder now. It's fine. Um, But at least we go back to Dylan and Norma. And she's like being so salty about him leaving. So she just says, have fun leaving me. (laughs) It's like Norma. I was like, I was like, Norma Louise, that is straight up gaslighting. I was like, you're back to your crazy ways. Like, that's what she's been doing her whole life with these people, with Norma. I was like, I was like, that was the worst lie you've told in forever. And you were straight up gaslighting him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, Norma, I mean, Norman, Dylan's packing his stuff and he finds the bunny that was meant for Emma and it has a note attached from her mother and he knows something bad has happened and the worst part the worst part is that the music was playing he found a picture of him and norman and the music was playing in a way that i thought he was gonna find the teddy bear that like norman talked about in his childhood flashback mm-hmm. that he like held when he was safe in bed mm-hmm. and, and i was like what if he found the teddy bear and he was like thinking about when norman was a kid and like because this episode's so fucking happy ending-ish and then it was the bunny and i was like because Norman didn't have time to get rid of that because 
he went to a fucking crazy nut job house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Dylan, being the only smart one, goes to look at the um, check-ins for the hotel and finds Aud- Audrey's check-in. And in the um, words of the Eagles, you can check in anytime, but you can't check out. That's not quote for that's not exact words, but um, yeah. And also, they did check her out, so because she didn't have a checkout date. Oh, she didn't have a checkout date because that's why well, she had the check-in date. And then when he opened it further, he found her address and her contact information. I the it didn't it didn't have a checkout date. Okay, because remember, um, Norma like was like, "Well, I have to go check her out because she's not there." I thought Norma just put the date in. Mm-mm-mm. She cleaned the room out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then because we don't need anything to be tied up today, we just jump back to Norma. We leave that scene. We leave Dylan with finding out the truth. Yeah. And uh, so the so Dr. Edwards starts asking about the alcoholism in Norman's life, and uh, Norma shows up again. And that was a really nice transition again, of course, as it always was. And you can see that, like, his DID is such a clear coping mechanism. Like, mm-hmm. because of, especially when he switches over in therapy. Like, it's it's so clear-cut. Yeah. And, um, it seems like, so she starts telling him this story about how Dylan ran off one night. And they were going to leave, but she couldn't find him. And Sam found her first. And I wonder, it made me wonder if. That's what Norman's deal with Dylan was, too, is if Norman blames Dylan for them never being able to get away. Maybe. This is Norman's subconscious. Right. And so... But I also think that um, it probably is true that she didn't leave because she wasn't going to leave without Dylan. And then once Dylan, like, left for good she didn't have an excuse to stay anymore mm-hmm. and they, she still didn't get like I don't know like when did Dylan leave versus when did they leave I have no idea I don't think they ever said it they I may don't have think they when first came in but it was like so off yeah the it wasn't like yeah. anything up on right um and then we go into the flashback which is the most upsetting thing I think we've seen I would say it is, I think it's tied with the scene from the first episode with Keith Summers for, because it's, because with Keith Summers, I think it was more, more visual, the actual like rape, but this one was almost more upsetting because of the fact that Norman was under the bed. Which is why I think that was a memory from the very first scene we see him and he's screaming under Which, the bed. I totally missed him being under the bed in the first place. So, like, that makes perfect sense. When you described that, I was like, oh, that checks out because of this. Yeah. But also, I missed it in the first place. So. And I didn't put that together until I went back. And I was telling you my notes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Back to the beginning now, see. Right. Get it. I got it. Yeah. And, uh. This whole thing is so traumatizing, not only for Norman, but also for Norma. And it's just, uh, it's so sad. And it's like, of course, Norman has DID. Like, I've, like, I've read about cases and I've, like, heard about people, like, dissociating for much less. And, like, trauma, trauma. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a different thing. And, uh... Yeah, I I would be concerned if he turned out normal based on everything he's been through. So, yeah. Um, which is fun. So now we go back to Alex and Norma. Real Norma. And Chick's outside with the window. And this is when she tells Alex she loves him. And Alex is like, I love you too. And I was like, yeah, everyone knows you love her, Alex. It's no surprise to anyone. That you love her. Correct. Correct. But it's also very sweet. And so 
Chick brings the window in, and Norma is acting like a lunatic. Rightfully so. I mean, he's blackmailing her. Like, I would also be acting like a lunatic. But no, um, but when Alex says that, um, when when Alex first says that Chick is there, first of all, perfect Chick impression. And he was he was like, Chick is here with the window. And he's like, what did he say? And he's like, oh, I need help alone this window. But he said it, like, in the perfect yeah. Chick impression. He did. I was like... Um, and then also uh, Alex's reaction to her telling him he loved her got me. That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's all he's wanted. And uh, in the middle of this chaos, he unveils the window, which is just stunning. Like, so stunning. Beautiful. Like, for the issues I'm having with him, great glasswork. Fantastic. A+. Plus. Um, so then she goes off on Chick and she's like, just tell him everything. She's like, <laughs> goes to say something to Chick, no, don't worry. You're about to pack your bags anyway. So yeah, like, she really starts screaming at him too. She's like, you're packing your bags in a few minutes anyway. And I was like, what the fuck, ma'am? <laughs> I was like, maybe give him a second to calm down. Right? Chick uh, knows he's got her all riled up. And so he very clearly doesn't say anything. And he just leaves. Yeah, he tells Alex, just mail him a check. And I was like, Norma, you have to tell him now. Like, you have reached the ultimate level of crazy right now. Well, and I, I think that that was the point. Because I don't think, I think Chick basically was like, I've already gotten you so, like, upset that you have to say something. Yeah. So, like, I still win. Mm-hmm. And um, she tells him everything. Like, Super honest. Yeah. And he's like, the guy I had dinner with, I was like, yeah, Alex, that's why that dinner was so weird for everyone, except you guys for some reason. I don't know why you all felt normal about it. I but liked uh, it. I liked it. I thought it was great dinner. Ugh, no, I it was ugh, icky. Um, but yeah, so she tells him everything and he just kind of like lets it be and she's like okay go pack your bags and he looks at her and he goes okay sure where are we going and i was like oh. I, literally, I literally was like my note says alexander romero you charming fuck but then when he was but then like i just i paused it because i was over and i looked at my parents and it's like i love him and they were like the cop i was like yeah they're like why i was like you just, you just, you just, you just watched that with me, right? My mom was like, "Is it because he's wearing so much eyeliner?" I go, "Actually, ma'am, those are his natural eyelashes." And I told her the whole thing about them CGIing his eyelashes down because they're so dark. And she was like, "What?" I go, "Um, he was born in New York, but one of his parents is Cuban and the other one is Spanish, so he just has naturally beautiful eyelashes." And she goes. Oh, okay. And then she was, and I was like, "Yes, I do all these things about him." And then they started talking about other people that he played in different shows. And I go, "And he played senior, our senior, senior, junior in Kim Possible." My dad goes, "Shut up! That's a voice." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, you guys are attacking me. Thank you so much." Yeah, that is an attack. They can't watch it with you anymore if they're going to be mean to you. But uh, I panicked. I'm never telling anyone that I love Alex again if that's how they're going to react. Yeah, that's 0% true. But, okay. (laughs) Wow. You are absolutely going to repeat that multiple times. But uh, Every day. I was so, like, like, in, like, infatuated at the end of this episode that it, like, ended. And I, like, threw my notebook. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's over. I have to end for the next yeah. one. Literally, I was just like, where are we going? And then she told him everything. I still love her. And like, and I, and I, oh. Ugh, bless. It was so sweet. And this was episode uh, six. So we have four more episodes left in the yeah. season. Um, And it's been too calm. 
I wonder if that's why some of the like some of the people didn't like season four because it 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 keeps which is a flaw we thought would be like we talked about in the beginning where like it's starting out so intense and so strong that it can't it can't hold this out for five seasons and so right well, I mean we knew something had to give in terms of intensity but I don't hate that it's doing the whole like ebb and flow where things were really intense and we were starting to get panicky and now it's going to go so deep into the happy that it's going to yank you back no i absolutely i love i think the writing is like incredible on this season i love like i'm going through such a roller coaster like i was on the edge of my seat a lot then but i have so many more emotions this season than i had the others like i'm up and down constantly and like Mm -hmm. so while it's not like well, I do miss the intensity. I miss the, like, shock value of the episodes. I don't dislike these episodes. No, but... They're and a what, good balance. And what I will say is, because I'm much... I'm definitely more of a character person. Like, I, I like a good plot, but, like, I care about what happens to characters. Like, I need to be involved in the people. And our sci-fi shows like i'm a i am a stargate person like i love stargate and when we first started watching baits as much as i was enjoying baits and i felt like invested in the show i was still more excited about the stargate episodes because like that's my jam right and like and i still like i'm still obviously having a good time but right now where we are and what's going on with these characters and like the emotional and the emotional intensity i'm like every weekend like i need to watch Bates. yeah which is funny because i started out not knowing anything about stargate i've never watched like star trek or any of those so i didn't know like what we were getting to except the next eight years of my life mm-hmm. and so i was like you know i'll give it a go in the first like season i mean even going through you know i was like i don't know there's no continuity the characters are great but i don't know like what's going on and like now i'm like i can't wait to watch stargate every week too like i i mean of course i also am excited to watch base because i need to know what's going to happen it's definitely right, more about, right, like, right. but like i'm just as excited to watch stargate as i am Bates. like it's like you just get invested in these shows and these characters and these people and like when I see them and other things I'm like oh my god that's my character <laughs> these are my people now and uh mm-hmm. it's wonderful it's wonderful but yeah we uh we ended up with two good shows this time around which is nice because we've we've had some that kind of went up and down a bit yes that and these is- stayed strong i mean even even when we've had an episode that's like yeah this is whatever like the show itself has stayed strong the whole time mm-hmm. so. absolutely yeah um yeah so i don't have any trivia so i just wanted to talk about those things a bit um um i don't know i was trying to like off the cuff think of a way to end it because you always talk about how we don't end it but instead i'll ask you who do you want to punch in the face Punch in the face. Wow. That is a really intense question for this episode. Um, I think probably Sam. Like, I know he's, like, long Mm -hmm. dead. I know he's, like, long dead, but... That's a good one, though. He needs to be punched. Yeah. Um... I picked Chick. That's fair. Chick is was like no words. I don't even know. Yeah, he he was just so uh, so uh, ambiguous. Yes. Um, and he just just stirring up too much drama right now. I need him to take a step back. Like, there's no need for this. Um, who's your MVP? Alex. <laughs> Was that a question? Alex Romero. Forever and always. Yeah. Uh, he would have been my second pick. But my first pick is Norma. You know, she was kind of a star this episode. Like, she, she had her shit together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we only see her doing things. Really, this whole episode, she was selfless. She stood up for herself, for Dylan and Caleb. 
she gave up all of her like power for to protect norman she gave all of her vulnerability to alex when she told him everything like she just kind of let go to the like for the right reasons right and i just i was very proud of her so she's my she's my mvp um yep i am thrilled about Bates Motel. I don't know. I'm happy. It's a, you know, it is. It's, I, <laughs> I don't have anything anymore. All is well. Um, we want to talk to you because we yes. like you, probably. We'll never yeah, know. Talk to us. Um, we'd love to talk to you, and you can do that by emailing us deathandaliens at gmail.com. Um, brief brief interlude here um we've <laughs> quick story time we yeah. were uh sarah's going through some of um shell silverstein's old stuff at the office for like some of his um okay. and <laughs> she gets to a letter from someone who like worked at one of the law firms he worked with like that he had like used or whatever and at the very bottom of the email they're like it was from 2000 they're like are you on the internet yet they were like this is my email at aol.com they're like I don't think it's going to be very useful, though, because you can't send tapes through the internet. <laughs> they were just like, it was so funny. They were like, if you're not on it, it's nice to, like, search some things and look some things up. But I don't really think this internet thing is going to be a big deal. It was hilarious. So. Okay. Speaking of things that are were going to be a big deal, this is just a bonus um, emotional cherry on top of the craziness of this episode for anyone who actually has listened to the whole thing. Last week was mine and Dan's five-month anniversary. Oh, my goodness. Which I know is for the people who actually listen to this podcast and listen to how much I talk about how in love with this man I am. It's ridiculous that we've only been together for five months, but it's fine. And so he was like, I know it's not like a big one and it's like only five months and like, but I got you something small and I go, a ring is small. And he goes... (laughs) He goes, I, I meant small in, in budget, not in size. And it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> so he pulls out this thing and he gives it to me and he's like, well, this is a gift because it's like something that we've been talking about. And I open it and I go, I don't know which of your girlfriends you were talking about this with. was well, not me. Because it was a stapleless stapler. A staplist? staple list stapler like you it basically does like this weird hole punch origami nonsense okay. and you don't need staples and it actually like holds papers together it's genuinely like it's inspiring but the crazy thing is i went to tell my mom about this story and how ridiculous it was and she just started crying and i was like mom why are you crying right now she was i'm so sorry i don't know what came over me but your grandfather, like my dad's dad, she was like, before he died, because he died when I was 12, she was like, you were too young, so you don't remember this. But he used to sit in his kitchen and just like wax poetic about these things that were going to make him a millionaire. And one of the things that he talked about all the time about how, how he was going to invest in this thing and it was going to save all of us and make him a millionaire was a stapleless stapler. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> And I was like, you know, here we are. 20 years later. We've made it. We have, The internet can send audio and staplers don't need staples. We uh, have made it. Man, we are. We have moved up in the world from 20 years ago. God bless. Which leads us to other things that are... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Innovative, amazing. All of oh. the above. Yeah. All of the above. Um, you can follow us on all the social medias where we wax poetic sometimes. Um, death- social media is an invention too. It is. It is. Who knew? Who knew it would be so big when MySpace came out? Most before Zynga and uh, Friendster. Friendster. God 
there's ugh, the internet. What an invention. Mm-hmm. But you can find us at Death and Aliens everywhere. And you can follow me at CECloud13, which is also the very first screen name I ever had for AOL. So I just kept it for the rest of my life. Perfect. Oh, you can find me at E-M-K-Y underscore superstar. And we're going to go to bed now because it's midnight and we have a long week. But we love you all and we cannot wait to see you for Sci-Fi Sunday. Bye.